This is Truth Encounter, and we are continuing our discussion from Proverbs chapter 6 about the exposure of the sting. Shifty eyes, shuffling feet, nervous movements, these are all the marks of a deceiver. We should not send our kids out into the world without giving them the goods on this kind of a seducer. Here is our study leader, Dave Wurtson, as he introduces today's lesson with some interesting insights on the con man's eye contact. If you're a straight talker and you've got truth to tell, you'll look at people in the eye and you'll hold their attention that way. The con man doesn't have truth to tell. He's trying to trick you. And what he's really looking at when he's making this deal is he's looking at his buddies that are around, the other people that are in it. And he's giving them the high sign. He winks for some people that can wink really well. I mean, just really quick. They give the high sign. You know, and they let their co-patriots know. That's what the text has in mind. It's the guy that's making a quick deal with you, and he's giving you this. And if you're not alert, you're taken right in. It's the bio language. Another thing he does is he shuffles with his feet. You ever watch guys, I mean, probably some of you haven't, if you ever watch people making drug deals, I think you'll have a real good insight into what's going on here. When people make drug deals, there's a lot of shuffling around. It's very interesting to watch. I told you a little bit about how like, when they smoke on the playground, they'll always face out. You never face in because you've got to be aware of what's going on. But when a deal is being made, when a deal is being made, there will be a lot of shuffling with the feet, a lot of moving around. And that's the idea of the text. This has been going on. I want you to realize that what we think is so modern and new in our culture has been part of human nature forever, ever since sin came into the world. When people are common, when they're involved in criminal activity, there's a lot of nervousness about it. There's shuffling of the feet. The other idea here is that possibly the individual is given some signs as well here. It's kind of like a coach in baseball. You ever watch a third base coach that goes through all this rigmarole to the batter? Well, that's not conning, but you can understand that's the idea. They are trying to con the other team, but the other team knows the signals they've had it. For example, in the Army-Navy game, when I was a kid, they had what they called the lonely end, a guy named Bill Carpenter. And he would never come back to the huddle. And the idea was he'd stay out right on the sidelines, and the other team would forget about him. He'd con the other team. He could just motion with his feet and tell Bill Carpenter way out there 50 yards what he wanted him to do on the next, next play. That had a short-lived career. It lasted one season because in the Army-Navy game, that year the Navy uh, midshipmen figured out the foot signals. So they knew everything that Bill Carpenter was doing when they intercepted about four passes. That was the end of the lonely end. But that's the concept of signaling with your feet, only not in a in a competition where that's the rules of the game to con like that, and everyone understands what's happening. But in business, this con man is shuffling with his feet, his deceptive body language. He motions with his fingers. In other words, he probably has something like this. I think this would be the modern equivalent. Remember when you were kids? How many of you, when you were kids, you know, played this game? You know, I had my hand behind my back. Anybody ever play that? You don't have to believe what I said because I had my fingers crossed in that. You know, we go through a whole phase that some of us never get out of. The con man never gets out of all those deceitful uh, characteristics of body language. Let's talk about his malicious schemes. It tells us here in verse 14 that he plots, he carves out evil. This guy really invests time. 
And the Proverbs picks up on that in other portions of Scripture. Turn to chapter 8, verse 13. It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior. And that's this idea of plotting and perverse speech. It tells us again that the Lord hates this characteristic of this individual that's plotting to evil. Chapter 10, chapter 10, verses 31 through 32. I want you to understand that the book of Proverbs takes these evil individuals and the good individuals that I'm talking about and throughout the rest of the book develops these characteristics. In other words, really what we've done is taken, given you a cross-section of what the Proverbs teaches about Harry Hustler. What I'd like you to do, it'd be good for your study and your own study of the book of Proverbs, is to have Harry Hustler in mind, and then you do your own study. Read through the book looking for Harry Hustler. And take a sheet of paper, put Harry Hustler at the top, and then as you read through the Proverbs, jot down the verses and then summarize the proverb that deals with Harry Hustler. And you can develop your own caricature of this con man that you're going to meet in life. It will be a tremendous help to you. Those of you that have responsibility in business, I can't tell you how much it will help you if you know these characteristics, for example, in hiring, or when a salesman comes in, or when a guy on your board or a girl on your board is trying to sell the whole board in a scheme and you don't feel quite right about it. You feel that something's wrong. You feel that something doesn't quite jive here. Proverbs will help you to put a lot of content in that. You'll be able to go, I know why I've got that uneasy feeling. It's because of this. It's because of this. It's because of this. And you'll become a force for good in your community, a force for moral purity, for telling the truth, for all the things that a society needs to be built on. And by the way, I want you to receive a lot of encouragement. These characteristics that I'm talking about, about Harry Hustler. If I was in Egypt at the same time that Solomon was ruling in, in, in Israel, and I taught like I'm teaching, as far as the ethics, not when I tell you that Christ is the only answer, but as far as the ethics of this is right and this is wrong, and this is what a con man does, and this is what you need to watch out for, I want you to have a lot of confidence, believer, that in Egypt, they would agree with that. And what I want to tell you is on the university today, and on Wall Street, and in the marketplace, externally, on the outside, they'll believe these things. Go to the Rotary and teach these kind of things, and they'll agree with you. We all know, it's written in our heart, we know that these are dangerous things. And so many believers are so afraid. They act like our faith is so impractical, and it's not. Because Satan has maneuvered us into the idea that the new way of doing things, and the fast way of doing things, even if it's a little bit deceptive, that's the end thing. And all of us know that's a bunch of, a bunch of lies. We know it's a con. And one of my purposes is to give you confidence. I don't want you just to come here and sit like a bump on the log. You know, what we do here only has relevance if you take it into your office Monday morning, into your neighborhoods. And I want some of you to make some hard choices. Some of you work for individuals like this. We need to pray together about how to deal with that. We might have to make some very hard choices. Because you might have to take some stands that you might even lose your job. And then all of us need to get together and help you until the Lord provides again. I'm not talking about being obnoxious or being lazy or not doing a job well. 
But the, one of the big problems among believers today is that we talk about these things Sunday morning, but we don't take them into the school with us. We don't take them into the business office with us. And what I want you to understand is that our society still knows that this con man is not the way you can build business. And I want to challenge you. I believe with all my heart, if you get these wise characteristics prayed into your life by the Spirit's wisdom, you start to love what is right and you begin to hate what is evil. You'll become a tremendous force for good and for godliness within our community. I don't think I've ever lived in an area where there's so much talk about Jesus and so little ethics. And that's why Proverbs is so important. It might sound to say, well, man, let's get to the really important stuff. We're on the really important stuff. Monday morning, when you face the con, are you going to become part of the con? Am I going to become part of the con? Or are we going to have the strength? And you know, it's really easy for me to preach on that. It's harder when I face it. When I can lie just a little bit and cover something up. Or when I can deceive just a little bit and make a little bit more. We're all like that. Satan can get a hold in our life that way. This morning needs to be a time of exposure of the truth, but it also needs to be a time of praying together for strength. You're in a Monday morning world tomorrow. And I want you to recognize that, that I really pray for you. And I, I'm working very hard to keep in touch with you. If anything makes me puke, it's when a preacher talks about the things of God and it's boring and you say, man, I don't have the foggiest idea how that relates. I don't know how I can get that into my life. It, it just seems so ethereal. That makes me very upset because God spoke to us. That's not the way God speaks. God doesn't speak to us in that language that's so exalted that nobody can understand. And God has taken the time to talk to us about very down-to-earth, practical, business, marketplace ethics. And all I want you to realize is that if I could give you a passion, I wish I could just give the young people and all of you a tremendous passion to learn these things. What I do is I learn these things and I say, oh man, that's so obvious. Everybody know that the commune doesn't look straight at you. Everyone knows he shovels with his feet. Everybody knows he's plotting malicious things. And it's so obvious to me, but because I don't really pray it into my life, the con man gets me. And that's what I'm concerned about today. One of the neatest things that could happen to me is if you call me up in two weeks and say, David, I just met a con man. Just was in my office. And I want you to know I nailed him. Because what you shared with this man about the slugger that week and what you shared with me about the dangers of the get-rich-quick, the fast buck, I didn't risk all my basic fundamental resources, and man, I found out that the guy was conning everybody. And I wasn't conned, because I listened to God's Word in the book of Proverbs. That's what makes it all worth it. And that's why I love God's Word, because the more that you teach it, and the more that you live it, the more you find out that it walks out into everyday life. And so Proverbs is warning us about this individual that is scheming. Turn to chapter 23, verse 33. Chapter 23, verse 33. Just show you that later on in the book, it keeps developing these themes. It'd be nice for our culture if it just gathered them all together, but the Hebrews didn't think like that. 
they like to just get a little bit of truth at one time. Proverbs 23, verse 33. It says, your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. This idea of imagining confusing things is this concept of these devious plants. It's a very interesting thing that it does with these words here. These verses that I've just read in Proverbs 23 relate to the famous passage on alcoholism, drunkenness. What it shares about the con man is that the plans, these cunning plans that the con man is making, and all these dreams that they come up with, it's not saying that they're drunk when they make them, but in reality, they are drunk because they're out of touch with God. And they're out of touch with the fact that God is really controlling things. You see, you might come into a neighborhood. You might come into our neighborhood. And you might make all these plans and all these dreams and get all these people involved. You're a real con. I mean, everybody gets excited about you and everybody's going to invest with you. But it's all a con. When the roof falls in, all of those cunning plans, and they can be intricate, they can be masterminded, they can cover up all kinds of things. In reality, all those plans were just the plans of a drunken idiot because they didn't take into account the ultimate reality that God will expose these things. So that's his characteristics. He has perverted mouth, he has deceptive body language, and he's involved in these malicious, well-thought-out schemes but in reality, they're totally unrealistic because they ignore God. Now, what does this guy produce in your church? What does he produce in your school? What does he produce in your business? He produces strife. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 14 tells us that this individual generates strife. If you turn over to a few other verses, because this is a very important one, turn to chapter 18, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. It says, An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. What this individual doesn't recognize is, is that you'll never get across information in strife. This individual, this con man, loves arguments. You know what a great example of this is? I remember the, I think it's, it's Dobler, Conrad Dobler, I think it is. You know the guy in the, in, I think it's a light, light beer ad. How many of you know that? They, they probably know that. Remember that beer ad? Where the guy comes in and he sits down in the baseball stadium and says, it's more, tell me, more filling. And the other guy says what? It tastes great. Well, I know that you know that ad, alright? Okay, he sits down the same and he, and, he, and he says, this guy right here just said, and then what happens? They start going at one another. Then the whole stadium's going at one another, right? And then he quietly gets up and walks away. That's a classic example of this Harry Hustler. He delights in sitting down, and there you've got everything. You've got the alcohol that easily generates the strife. And you've got this cunning con man who wants to get the fight going among friends. And what it's saying is that this kind of behavior is, is worse than barring a city. When you get into an argument like that with somebody, when it gets out of control, it's just like you slam the doors on Fort Apache 
and you're never going to get into relationship with them. You've just ruined it. You have a fight with somebody over that. And I have to work with my kids all the time. We can have one perpetual argument in our home. And those of you that have 12-year-olds and almost 14-year-olds, and those of you that have 6-year-olds and 4-year-olds will know what I'm talking about. There's a part of us that just likes a good strife. A wise person doesn't like strife. Because you don't communicate information. You don't communicate truth over the bridge of strife. The kind man loves it. Do you have anybody in your office like that? Do you have anybody that you work with in the university like that? Do you have anybody in school like that? I mean, they just delight. Everywhere they go, there's strife. Everywhere. I mean, every place. You walk in the cafeteria, there's an argument. You walk into, you walk into the, into a board meeting, you can count on the fact there is going to be a pugnacious, bullheaded strike. That's this individual. Watch out. You can't communicate information over that. Turn to one more about strife 26, 21. Proverbs 26, 21. It says, as charcoal to embers and as wood to the fire, so is a quarrelsome man for the kindling of strife. Very powerful imagery in this verse. As charcoal, hot, glowing charcoal. And what you have here is the embers. They're glowing red. I'll paint it like this. The embers are glowing red. You throw some charcoal on there. And it ignites into a flame. If you throw powdered charcoal, real finely powdered charcoal on there, you might even get an explosion. That's the idea. Or as wood to a fire, throwing more fuel is the individual that's quarrelsome man that kindles strife. And so his product, what does this individual generate in a school, in a business, in a church? They kindle strife. What's going to happen to him? What's going to be the, his end? We've read that in Proverbs chapter 6. Let's turn back there to Proverbs chapter 6. And I've given you some other verses that tell you the same thing later on in the book. But this individual, eventually disaster will overtake him. He will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. The con man is going to come under the judgment of God. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us that this individual will be helplessly destroyed, possibly by government. Often the government steps in. This con man gets caught in income tax fraud. Uh, it turns out to be connected to the mob, and they get in the clinker for 15 or 20 years, sometimes lose their life. Many times God himself will deal with this individual. In fact, it's possible this con man might make it all the way through life. A man might make it all the way through life as the head of the underworld, the head of the mafia, whatever you might want to say, and might live long, might be a hundred years old, but one day they'll stand before God. And I promise you, brothers and sisters, when we stand before God, there will be no con. There's nobody on a pool table hustling. Nobody. Nobody hustles the ultimate creator. What I want to warn you about is there's a part of us that likes Harry Hustler. You like Tom Cruise and Paul Newman. You like the fast style. You like the con. You like con. There's a part of you that likes it. There's a part of me that likes it. What I'm telling you, watch out. You see, Satan gets into our life and gets a foothold. He makes, he makes young people. This is why I'm so concerned. Mom and Dad, don't let kids watch whatever they want to watch. That's wrong to do that. 
Some of you have the idea that nothing influences you. Listen, if the TV doesn't influence you, if movies doesn't influence you, then all of you in advertising withdraw the million-dollar budgets. I've told you that. If it did not influence, then withdraw the million-dollar budgets because you're wasting your money. It doesn't influence anybody to buy Cokes. It doesn't influence anybody to drink. All of it's a bunch of baloney because the media doesn't influence us at all. And so you don't need to advertise, right? You see, if you get down to money, all you need to do, if you want to find out what influences in a culture, just look where the influencers put their money and then you'll find out what influences all of us. And what I'm sharing is let's fall in love with the morality, with the ethics, with the characteristics that Proverbs exalts and be very careful about adoring and loving someone that stands for values that are totally different from what you believe. I'm not talking about uh, gaps between the generations. I'm talking about basic fundamental approaches to life. And I would, don't just slam the door on your kids. Talk to your kids about what the values are represented here. What do these guys stand for? What does this girl live for? What is she telling you? What is her message? Do you live that message? Is that, is that what you want to believe? And that's what goes back to the core of our lives again. And that brings us back an individual that lives for the value that I've shared today, the Terry Hustler. God's going to get him. I want all of you to realize that. Nobody likes to hear that God judges people in our society today, but he does. He really does. These characteristics will bring down your business. I don't care who it is. You might think you're the most powerful business. If these are the characteristics by which you run your business, it's coming down. Because these characteristics do work in the marketplace. Now, there's seven things that bring it all together and nail it for us. Seven things. I want you to understand these are seven things that God doesn't like. Seven things that make God sick. Number one is the tough one, haughty eyes, proud eyes. Proud eyes is the individual. They will look at you right in the eye right after they did something wrong and not bat an eye. They're hardened and brazen in their look. This idea is used of an adulteress later on that eats stolen bread, slaps her mouth, looks at you right in the eye and says, I haven't done anything wrong. That's proud eyes because God says you have done something wrong. Proud eyes. Second of all, we've talked a lot about it, a lying tongue. And By the way, with our little kids, the very first time they lie, we need to start dealing with them about how much God hates lying. Mom and Dad, please listen to me about that. One thing don't ever tolerate in your home is lying. Don't you tolerate it in your own mouth and don't tolerate it with your kids. Lying is like a spring that bubbles forth disaster. All kinds of sin flow out of lying. Whenever you're starting to feel that tendency to lie, look around for the other cons that Satan is making on you. Hands that shed innocent blood. The con man in his schemes often resorts to violence. It's true. This kind of a lifestyle, when you're making the fast buck, when you're hustling people, people end up getting hurt. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart, a personality that divides wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. This guy has quick feet. He's rushing to get into evil. A false witness like those that accuse Naboth who pours out lies 
And then a final one, a man who stirs up dissension among friends. I'm telling you the truth now. I'm saying it because it's part of God's holy word. And I believe with all my heart that if we can keep being honest with God's word, if we can cry out to God to help us to learn God's word and not play evangelical Christianity, not play it on Sunday morning, but live it Monday morning, then I think we can go on and display a love, but not just a love, but an ethic that resists the con man. That when we see the beginning of sowing dissension, when we see those little seeds, we deal with them. I've shared with you one of the most important characteristics of how to keep out of arguments. You know how to keep from becoming this con? Go to the individual that you misunderstand. Go to the individual that you're uptight about and go right to them and say, look at him right in the eye, no shifty eyes, look at him right in the eye and say, I need to talk, I need to share. Maybe it's a misunderstanding, but this is what's bothering me. And have the attitude, my main desire in life is to be part of a family, is to be close to brothers, to be close to sisters, and I'll never let go of that. What I want you to learn to do, precious brothers and sisters, is learn to heal these things. The con man or woman can be living right underneath your own roof. As parents, we must derive strength from these principles and proverbs and stand against proud eyes, lying tongues, quick feet that run into evil, and attitudes that love to stir up dissension among friends. This destructive behavior still makes God sick, just as it did in Solomon's day. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to expose any of these tendencies in our own lives and in the lives of our kids, and then allow Him to heal us.